es muy malo. Bruto el pato de vestuario. La interpretación siempre negativa. Siempre negativa. Nunca positiva. Hello, welcome to Siempre Positivo, the podcast name which is being pushed to the limit this season. Barcelona rescued a point against Granada on Monday, Ronald Araujo heading in a 90th minute equaliser as Barca ended the game, played at Camp Nou with an attack of Luke de Jong and Gerard Piquet. Really. Granada had led since the second minute and a point, as coach Ronald Koeman pointed out, was better than none, but it might not be enough to save the Dutchman in the long term. As ever, to talk Granada and Kuman, I am joined by Rick Sharma and Tony Wanmarty. Rick, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing okay. I'm just kind of fascinated by the, the whole situation. It's like watching a car crash. You know, you know, when people drive past, they're called rubberneckers when they're turning around to have a look at what's happened on the other side of the road. It feels a bit like that for me. You are a rubbernecker, definitely. Tony, um, is it a little bit of a stretch to say bon dia? Uh, yeah, well, on the last year, I think there's uh, there's there has not been any any bond here for Barcelona supporters. But uh, yes, I'm motivated to talk on this situation, and and uh, I want to announce that uh, for first time, I think I'm going to defend the Ronald Koeman. But uh, we are going to see it later because I think that people is like thinking that uh, there there's still Xavi, Piqué, Puyol, uh, Messi uh, and all these players on the field uh, on the pitch and uh, we have to admit that uh, this is a new era so what what I talk about this later it's going to be an interesting pod for sure first thing i want to clear up i mean the attendance was down at camp nou last night it was about 27,000 of 40,000 but there is still capacity restrictions in Catalonia. I see a lot of people sort of saying, look how empty it is, but it, the buying game as well, the buying game was at capacity. There are still restrictions at Barca games due to coronavirus, so the stadium's not going to be full for a long time. And it is quite noisy. The crowd were quite good, the ones that were there, um, braved the weather. There was a big storm before the game, which was probably pathetic fallacy for something. Um, quite an easy one to work out. Rick, what was the mood like at Camp Nou before we get into the the nitty-gritty of the game and, and Koeman? It wasn't too bad, you know, like before the game, they read out the lineups. There was a few whistles for Sergio Roberto, but it wasn't over the top, you know. I mean, I, I feel like that, like I said in the last part, it's a bit unnecessary to do that because, you know, the guys starting the game, you think it's going to help him if you whistle him. But as as Gerard Pico likes to say, it's up to everyone to, to do what they want to do. So that's what they wanted to do. But yeah, the, the, the fans were quite supportive of the team for a while. And then the, the problem was, for example... It, it, at, we're at the point where it's quite easy to ju- to just be angry when anything goes wrong. So when Ronald Koeman took off Balde because he had a back problem, I saw him holding his back, and I feel like a lot of the stadium didn't know that. They didn't know that he had a back problem, and they thought that Ronald Koeman was just subbing off Balde for Mingessa. That there was like an explosion of, of anger at that, at that decision, and then later it became you know obvious that that Balde was injured. So I feel like we're at this point where. You know, fans might come to the stadium trying to be positive or trying to to support the team. But as soon as things start to turn uh, the wrong way, the frustration rises really quickly to the surface. I think a lot of the frustration on Monday night was focused at the match officials and at Granada's time wasting. Like you say, there was that one outpouring of emotion when 
when Balde went off, but in general they were behind behind the team. I mean, there was a real roar of relief when, or a release almost when when Araujo headed in that equaliser. That's true, and I, I often like to say that there's, camp now is never louder than when they're complaining about something. Normally the referee or someone on the opposite team. And see, I missed yesterday. Yanateki going off and coming back on again and I just thought Camp Nou were, were absolutely blasting Yanateki and I was like well he clearly actually is injured and he has to go off on this car and they're still blasting him but I hadn't seen that you know the whole game of him going off first and then coming back on so after seeing that I don't feel as kind of, kind of not upset but like perplexed by why Barca fans were booing this guy who was clearly injured but it, it just kind of shows that yeah that, that, that when when they've got something to go against and maybe maybe Tony can can talk about this maybe is it to me it always seems the case that Barca like having someone to go against an enemy someone who's 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 hurting them maybe that's to do with the politics in, in Catalonia as well Yes, yes, yes. I think uh, we have talked about this uh, sometimes. There's, there is like a DNA that is related with being autodestructive, always trying to find the guilty, always when the member uh, reaches the stadium and takes his seat. It's typical that that uh, being complaining about the, 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 the lineup, the squad. Why are we playing with this guy? Why are not we playing with that other guy? Uh, yes, it, it's, 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 really, it's really curious because... Uh, it's been related the, the Barcelona member with old people, old people like always complaining and yes, it's it's an special uh, special uh, members for Barcelona always complaining and always feeling that all the things are against this team. Yes, this this the, the DNA of Barcelona. It's always been like this. Tony, let's talk about the game, about the performance. Granada taking the lead in the second minute. Barca switching off from a corner. It wasn't good, but I guess it can happen, especially early in games. Good teams switch off and go behind early or whatnot. So let's look at what happened afterwards. Barca eventually fought back. They got more and more direct as the game went on. De Jong, Luke De Jong came on at half time. Pique came on up front for the final 15 minutes. Araujo was getting further and further forward and was, was Barca's best player by a long way. The reaction has been mainly against the way Kuman Kuman decided to play, the way he approached the game. Um, there's been there was one column in one newspaper here in Catalonia that said he was innovative and that he did sort of what he had to do and sort of praised him in that. But a lot of the stuff has been critical. One one on the one radio show even said, you know, Barcelona cannot play like Stoke City last night. So where are you on that on that radar on on how Barca played last night on what they did on on Kuman's tactics? I, I'm, I will try to be to be short on my on my argument because on my on my words because uh, it, it could be could be longer. But first of all, of course, you have to admit that you don't have no longer Xavi, Iniesta, Alves, Avidal. Those players were able to take the ball and pass the ball in a high speed. You are not anymore able to do that. You have to admit that now football is not what it was ten years ago. Because you had that uh, popular team from Netherlands, you had with uh, Van Basten, Reihard, you had that popular team of Brazil, you had that popular team of Germany. But football, it's changing each time, it's changing. You cannot expect to play the same time you played with Pep Guardiola because you don't have these players. You, so first at all, you have to admit that after that, if you are nil one down against a team that is going to defend with 10 players, Members of Barcelona, I still remember with Guardiola saying that 
how it was possible that we were playing like a handball game, passing, 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 passing. For me, Kuman, what he did yesterday, it was the best option in the case we were yesterday on that situation. Neil won against 10 players defending. You don't have Lionel Messi. You don't have any player to create spaces in, in, in one meter and two meters. You created lots of chances with this cross. Okay, I accept that this is not your, this shouldn't be your first plan. But yesterday, uh, why the people has forgotten that, for example, Real Madrid won two Champions League with this kind of actions? With Sergio Ramos, a corner kick, then going to extra time, and, and the following year against Atletico de Madrid, uh, a goal with, with a kick, with a header. Or United, with a, with a, with a comeback against Bayern München in the Camp Nou final, with two actions, like uh, two crosses. It seems that now making crosses to the box is like uh, playing like Stoke City. It's not like that. But of course, the problem with Cuban is not what happened yesterday. The problem is that we come where we come from, that uh, it seems that there is no plan. But for me, what Cuban said yesterday, I totally agree with him. What could he do yesterday? What, what, if you were Cuban, what, what would uh, you have done? Nothing else. You, you didn't have any Messi, any Haaland in the bench. You had Araujo, you had Piquet. You were playing with Memphis. He, he made an earlier substitution. He was brave on his substitutions. What do you want to do if, if Luke de Jong has a great chance in one meter and he was not able to score that goal? So for me, it's been really, really, really un, un, understandable seeing that the, the, the team yesterday was like a Stoke City. I don't understand that. You, you, the team did what they could. And I saw yesterday 11 players running with high intensity. Of course, after that, you need to have a plan and try to play better football. But first of all, yesterday for me, the team was not as ridiculous as I have seen in other, in other games. That De Jong miss was absolutely awful. Yeah, the, the, the free header from, from two yards out. Rick? Do you think Kuman did what he had to do? Do you think there could have been another way? Could he have, I don't know, packed the midfield? Was there was there a way to do it without without upsetting upsetting the the fans or or the media here and and going as well as Tony says? I feel like my answer to this question is going to be kind of messy because I, I feel so many different things. I kind of agree with Tony in a way that Barca players they they hadn't given up. It wasn't a question of the team giving up on on what Coman was trying to get them to do. They did what he he asked them to do, right? So that the team hasn't given up on on Coman, but and Coman hasn't lost the dressing room in, in in that sense. But maybe he has lost the plot in a way because it is. I mean, regardless of whether he, there were any other options or not, it is. It was genuinely bizarre to watch Barcelona playing like Stoke City or like Burnley, lobbing balls into the box for Chris Wood, aka Ronald Araujo, to try and get get his head on them, and eventually did. All the best chances, apart from that one volley for Depay, came to to Araujo, and and he's great. He's a magnet for the ball in the box. Like it's remarkable. Like he, he could genuinely score. If Barcelona were going to play like this, he would score like fifteen goals this season. Araujo, like no doubts, he would score fifteen goals. Amazing, amazing in the air. But yeah, just as a friend of the pod, Andrew Gaffney said, Moise que un club. Like this is, it, it, it's like, yeah, it, it's mad. I think there are, there probably are solutions. I don't know, you know, I'm, I, if I knew the exact solution, I'd be coach of Barcelona. You know, I'm not, I'm not coach of Barcelona. I, I think maybe the answer could be to do with getting Memphis connected better. I think there was too much of Barcelona's game yesterday was getting the ball to Memphis and then hoping he did something amazing. To, to settle the game. But Rick, yesterday, 
we saw Memphis receiving the ball. And, and, and we have to admit that Memphis is not Neymar. I mean, he's a great player, of course. He's been a great signing. But it's not true that yesterday Memphis didn't receive the ball. Yeah, he took the ball on the left side. Lots of times with Serginho Dest on the second half. But he was not able to, to make two, three, four, five dribblings. He was not able. So so what could Kuman uh, do yesterday? I don't know. Uh, there was nothing else. You didn't have Ansu Fati. You didn't have Dembele. You didn't have nothing else. And you were nil one against a team that was looking for her first uh, victory of the season, her first uh, win of the season, and they were all defending. It's 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 not easy to 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 play to to get to play against these kind of teams. Look Guardiola with Manchester City. What happened with against Chelsea on the on on the final? So. We have to admit, we have to understand that the football develops, develops and it's growing up and, and you are now demanding more physical things. I'm not saying that these young players or these talent players are not useful at all. I'm not saying that, of course, they are. Pedri, Nico, Balde, of course they are. But apart from that, you have to understand that on the last three, four years, all the teams that have won important trophies, important titles are teams with physically more power than Barcelona, Lewandowski, Alfonso Davis, Casemiro, Engolo Kanté, these kind of right backs or left backs on Chelsea. See, we have to understand that we cannot say, wow, they have been ground, they are from La Masia, they are going to be top players. No, look how many players from made in La Masia are now starters in big clubs in Europe. How many players which has been made in La Fabrica, in, uh, in, in Real Madrid, are now starters. Lots of players. So we have to come down. We have to come down and, and, and see the, the truth of the football nowadays. Can't say that Coman could have done a lot more yesterday specifically. But I'm not even saying this is a big defender of Ricky Puig. I've never been the, the greatest fan of Ricky Puig. But like, yeah, you put him on for 10 minutes and he plays badly. Because he hasn't played. Imagine if he'd played at least in a few minutes in every game this season and often more than five minutes that he gets given. And then maybe you have other options. Maybe you can have Memphis and you can have close to Memphis. A bit like how Pedri was close to Messi last season in the first part of the season and they worked well together. Have Ricky Pooge close to Memphis. Have Coutinho close to Memphis. And then... Yeah, you can't, you know, I agree with you, Tony. I think football has come a long way. And I think that you do have to be more physical than than in the past. But that can't change overnight. So all you can do is try to the best of your ability with what you have at the moment. And I don't think that's what Coleman was doing yesterday. I think he was, he wasn't, you know, he hasn't worked on, on how to, to link Memphis up and, and play intricate little bits of football. I'd love to know honest opinions from from people in the Barcelona dressing room about how much coaching Coman gives them about how to, to, to play football and, and have little passing moves and stuff like that. I feel like it would be next to nothing. But, but I saw yesterday Coutinho and Memphis taking some balls and assisting one each other. I don't think that uh, Memphis was not linked. The problem is that there were no spaces, but he had the ball lots of times. Yeah, Coman very much on Tony's line of thinking, although his way of expressing it in the in the press conference after the game was was quite funny and will probably be remembered for years, his reference to Tiki Taki. Si ves la lista, los convocados, ¿qué hay que hacerlo? Jugar Tiki Taki, Tiki Taki, donde hay no espacio. Yo creo que hemos hecho que tuvimos que hacer. I mean, we all know it, but then him say, saying, you know, this is not the Barcelona of eight years ago. Look at the squad. We, we did what we had to do and stuff like that. Do you think Kuman helps himself, Rick? I mean, it's difficult. He can't come out and say good things after a one or door against Granada, but sometimes he's perhaps looking for a little bit too much sort of 
understanding maybe even though even though we all know these things does he need to say them time and time again yeah he definitely doesn't help himself Ronald Koeman the thing is I feel sorry for him in that sense because it is a difficult position to be in what can you say other than just saying nothing at all which would criticize him for too I think you know if he just came out and was like it was a tough game and you know and he didn't wasn't honest and wasn't open he is an open book uh the only thing is, the only reason I don't feel sorry for him at the bottom of everything is that he came in the first place and took this job when, you know, it was obvious that it it needed a coach with with much greater coaching abilities and tactical abilities than, than Kuman knows that he's got. I mean, maybe he doesn't know it. Maybe he believes he's a tactical genius. But, you know, he came here. The situation was evident from outside. It wasn't, you know, it was obvious. And he deserves some credit in a in a moral sense, in terms of being a someone who loves Barcelona and wanting to come to Barcelona so desperately he'd give up his chance to coach at the Euros with the Netherlands. But at the same time, he's got to have some common sense. It was obviously a bad idea for him to come from his own perspective. Tony, let's talk a little bit about positivity, shall we? I mean, we've touched on him when we spoke about him, but Ronald Araujo, how good was he against Granada? How, how, how responsible was he? And um, yeah, I guess he's one of the, the few bright points to emerge from this difficult start to the season for Barcelona? Yes, but not only this season, also last season, uh, he showed that uh, he's the new leader on the on the Barcelona's defence. Of course, he's now much more important than Piquet. Uh, of course, uh, he needs to learn lots of things. For example, I don't know how to say in English, when he when he takes the ball and he, he goes straight ahead and he, he, he leaks some, some passes. I don't know if it's uh, properly said. Leak, leaking passes? Linking. Linking passes. Linking. Or... I, want, I want to say when he tries to assist uh, the players on the midfield, he's creating, he's making some mistakes. He needs to improve on that. But of course, of course, of course, <laughs> he has all what he needs to have to, to be one of the best defenders in the world because... I'm being back to that that issue that he physically is is a beast. He's really fast. He has a great power with the, with the head. So yes, also we have been told that his mind is really strong. He's a leader. He's young, but he's able to to correct other young players. So he's not shy at all. He's totally a leader. And uh, yes, uh, we have a great center back for ten years. And of course, since yesterday. Even since more more time ago, but of course since yesterday, Barcelona's defender is Barcelona's defense is uh, Araujo, and then let's see Piqué, Eric, or whoever you want. But of course, Araujo number one. There's no doubt. Rick, you're a long time fan of Araujo. I've taken a bit longer to be convinced, um, but yeah, I can't deny how good he has been now for for a long time. Um, I think yeah, he's, he's undoubtedly Barcelona's number one. I think. I mean, I'm not saying he's among the best in the world or anything like that yet, but he's perhaps one of the few Barcelona players who's on that level of, you know, when Tony talks about Bayern and physicality, who, who's on that level. I mean, you saw him go shoulder to shoulder with Lewandowski and stuff. A lot of the Barca players are, are not that at level of, of fitness and, and strength. But also what, what I enjoyed about Araujo from, from the draw with Granada was the, that emotional connection he's making with the fans. He was absolutely, like Tony says, he was an absolute leader. He was roaring the crowd on when he scored the goal. The celebration was sort of great pouring in front of the fans. And then, you know, the fans backing him by chanting Uruguayo and, and all that. Yeah, absolutely. 
I'm almost surprised, even as someone who loves that Oho and has done for since, well, I don't know when I started, I'm going to have to look at my Twitter history like I do with you and Kieran Trippier to find out how long you've been back in Trippier for. But I've been an Araujo from day one and even I'm surprised at how good he is at the moment. Like he, he's better than I expected him to be. Absolutely number one, the, the fan connection, like you say, the fact that he is is fighting for the shirt is is huge. I mean, I don't want to single out Coutinho here because this is his first game back after long injury layoff. First start back, rather, I should say. But, like, just compare, like, Coutinho's entrega compared to Araujo. Like, it's, it's, it's mad how much Araujo is, is up for it and, and Coutinho is, like, kind of trotting about. I, I don't know. I know it's to do with the type of player as well. But, like, Araujo, my favourite bit was when he... Sp- you know, he'd already been the best defender and he'd been the best attacker for Barca. And then he decided to be the best winger and knocked it past somebody and sprinted by him on the wing and got it. It was it was amazing. It was like, that's the kind of one-on-one pace that Ronald Koeman was asking for from Ansu Fati and, and Usman Dembele when they're back. That that kind of ability to go past the man on the wing, obviously that's not going to be a, a thing that he can do as he, he has to be Barca's best centre-back most of the time, at least. But yeah, what a, what a treat it is to watch Araujo. What a, like... There's not many players in this Barca team that are, are good fun to watch, really, at the moment. But Araujo certainly is one of them. Yeah, we never expected Araujo to be the Messi replacement. <laughs> I think we all know who will be the top-ranked player in Rick's ratings. I'm quite interested to hear these ones because even though it was a difficult night for Barca, I don't think there were any sort of absolute trash players, but maybe Rick will prove me wrong with his ratings. Yeah, I have one. We'll get to him. First, we'll start with Testegan, obviously, five. Dest six, so much better at left back than he was. If he'd carried on playing at right back, he would have got a bad rating from me, but actually played quite well at left back. Adolfo, I'm giving him a nine. Everything, massive performance in everything. We've talked about him already, obviously. Eric Garcia, five. Balde, six, but then he had to go off. Sad for him because what a chance with Jordi Alba out, Balde, and then he gets injured. Hopefully it's nothing serious. Busquets, five. I said to someone during the game, actually, when, when, uh, Bus- when Busquets is playing without Pedri he's an old man without his Zimmer frame like he's lost uh, Frankie 6 as you pointed out after the game he's he was at least up for the fight and giving you know giving everything he had Sergio Roberto 5 hit the bar decent effort but ultimately not, not really good enough Demir I'm a bit down on Demir you know I liked him in pre-season but I'll give him a 5 I didn't think he offered much I know it's difficult for him just as a kid but doesn't really inspire me Coutinho Somewhere between four and a five. We'll go five because it's his first start back. Memphis, also a five. He was brighter than the others, but he missed that chance, that volley. You've got to get that on target and almost certainly score it if you do. It would have been ruled out anyway, though, because Luke de Jong was offside. True, true. Then the subs, the second best player for me from on Barca the whole game was Oscar Minguesa on as a sub. He When he came on, it actually invigorated the team. He brought a lot of energy, was quite good in defence. Another player that's decent in the air as well going forward. PK six, maybe just for the entertainment value of him of him being up front. Gavi was all right, got the assist for the goal eventually. Ricky Pooch was pretty poor. I'll give him a four. And the worst player for me, the one that did have a bad rating, is Luke de Jong. Three out of ten for Luke de Jong. What's the point of Luke de Jong? Right? If he if he can't even score, the one thing he's been brought to do from about five yards out. If you get your head on that, it has to be a goal. And he missed. Yeah, it was, that was a game made for Luke de Jong, 55 crosses or, or whatever it was. What was it that Koeman said? He said, he may not be Neymar, but at least he's good at crosses. And now he's not even been 
been good uh, been good in the in the box for the for the crosses. I like what you say about Mingetha as well. I think with Mingetha and Dest, I liked the balance. I think Dest is. I also agree with that point. He always he's always seemed to do better on the left. I think he's a little bit more focused and a little bit more just concentrates a little bit better. I think because he's perhaps playing slight not not dramatically out of position, but on a side that's technically weaker for him. He kind of yeah it seems to always do better on the left. And yeah, Mingetha adds adds good balance. Tony, anything to add on anyone else? Any ratings? Any disagreements? Any players that stood out? Any players that should never play for Barcelona again and be put into a bin somewhere? <laughs> yeah, some 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 uh, some some thoughts on what uh, Rick said for me. Um, Luke de Jong, for me, he deserves a nil nil from ten. Uh, I'm sorry, but <laughs> for me, it's simple. He was bought to do this kind of thing, so. He had a really, really big chance to score that goal. If he was not able to do it, nil, because he was supposed to do that and he was not able to do that. So I think it was it it, it was a disaster yesterday because he, he was bought to do that. Apart from that, yes, Mingueza, interesting Mingueza, yes, good crosses from the right side when he when he appeared. Also, Serginho Dest, I think he's he's uh, he's growing as a, he's improving as a player, but still needs. To be more, more, more focused on some details, some controls, so, some things that uh, he needs to do better. But of course, I see him confident. And, and for me, what's interesting is that uh, without Lionel Messi yesterday, I saw lots of players asking for the ball. We saw Coutinho wanting the ball. Also, Memphis wanted the ball. Also, Demir, even if he, it was not his best match. Also, Serginho Destin. For me, this is very important for a team. Accepting, realizing that you cannot hide behind the opponent and staying and thinking, okay, another one is going to do that. And for me, it's very important learning to attack as a team, learning to attack without Lionel Messi. And for me yesterday, it was for me the, the, the best thing that all the players wanted to, to, to help the team. And without with Messi, it was not like that. And apart from that, just a final thing, Sam Hendrick, that... I want to make clear that I'm not supporting Kuman. I just said that yesterday he did what he needed to do. But after that, on his press conference, I think that he made a big mistake because when you don't believe in your squad, you won't be able to, to, to motivate them. And it seems that Ronald Kuman is not strong to, to say to his players that they are able to do whatever they want. And if you are not convinced to, to say your players, hey, you can win, you can be the best player. You are totally lost. So for me, in Kuman yesterday is worse what he said that what he did on the on the on the pitch. I have to say I completely agree with Tony Etch. It's a very good point. That's that's that should have been the answer, my answer to that question when you asked it earlier, Sam. That is is it's a fantastic point. Like Ronald Koeman can be somewhat honest, but he can also say these kids are going to be stars, and and I believe that they can, they can they can do something here. They can they can start to prove that and give them the confidence. And I think Tony's one hundred percent right. It's a big week now because the games are coming thick and fast. Games that would have been theoretically winnable for Barca in the past are now difficult. Cadiz they lost to last season away and drew at home. They are away to Cadiz on Thursday and then at home to Levante on Sunday. Levante who. From my quick workings when they drew with Real Madrid the other week, have the best record over the last four or five years against Real Madrid than, than any other team in Spain, better than anyone you could say, better than Atletico, better than Sevilla, better than Valencia, Athletic. 
uh, Real Sociedad. So that's another tricky one, although Barca have done better against them at Camp Nou than they have away from home. Tony, will Koeman be in charge for both of those games this week? Yes, uh, I know that is very dangerous saying 100%, but yes, I think uh, there's no option that uh, Kuman is fired before six, seven days. I think he will be in charge. He will be uh, in the bench against Cadiz and, uh, and Levante. But of course, if uh, the board finally is, is, is able to, to, to advance on, on his uh, new coach, of course, then maybe after the game against Levante, we, we, we see, depending on how it goes, we see the, the last game of Kuman as a Barcelona manager. Don't forget, uh, Rick, Sam, that uh, after Messi was gone, Kuman said, now we have to be stronger defensively. Okay, four games, no clean sheets. So it's not that the team has not improved. It's that he said that without Messi, they needed to be stronger defensively and they have they have made zero clean sheets in four games so it's even worse the the team and of course the board they know in the board they know that Kuan has not a plan they know that they are not working good enough on the trainings sessions so that's why they think it's going nowhere. Up. Apart from that, of course, it takes time to find the, the, the replacement. So yes, for me, 100%, uh, Kuman will be in the bench against Cadiz and uh, Levante. Tony, after Eduardo Romeo, one of Laporta's vice presidents, said last week the club do have the money or would be able to afford to sack Kuman if they had to, even though he denied they talked about it or, or it was an option. Basically, the only thing saving Kuman at the moment is the, the lack of alternatives, right? Yes, this is the information I have. There are a lot of options, but it's nothing done which, with, with any coach. Even we could say also that it's not only that it's not done, it's also that it's nothing advanced. So you need a lot of time to, to, to try to convince uh, the coach because we don't have to forget the most important thing. A time ago, coming to Barcelona, it was a great surprise for, for the coach. Now, coming to Barcelona, lots of coaches are saying, OK, uh, I want to think about it. Rick, what do you think the mood is among Barcelona fans? There have been a few, not many really, but a few banners at, at recent games. Yeah, I don't, I don't think many people would be upset if, if Kuman was fired. I think like about 90% of Barcelona fans would accept it. And of that 90%, maybe 70% would, would encourage it. And I think... I mean, I've seen names mentioned that I don't like really linked with the job. Andrea Pirlo is, is one. What is, it, what is the point of that? I mean, this is a coach that Ronald Koeman was able to take his Barcelona team to last season and beat in Turin. So, and obviously they, he, he did the same in, in Camp Nou, revert, the reverse of it. But it's just like Pirlo struggled last season with an aging squad, with, you know, some inexperienced players as well, failing to get everything to gel in Italy. And I just don't see how that would help the situation at all. I'm just, I just think that it's it's a coach without a plan like Tony says which is perfectly fitting for a president without a plan like it's, they deserve each other am, am I going way too far here I, well I already know that I am but what, something caught my attention last night was that Ronald Koeman for the Barca game was wearing a Barca jacket and I don't think I've ever seen him wear a Barca jacket for for a game before I don't know if he was trying to send a message like look at me I'm a I'm a club man or or if it was just coincidence 
<laughs> I didn't notice that. I don't. I feel like that's not the case. No. I think I'm just too adept at looking for meaning where there is none. Or, or maybe he wanted to 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 wear that jacket because he thought that maybe yes uh, today, so the the following day it would it would be too late and that jacket would be stolen for the new coach. So he said, okay, I'm going to wear it now. <laughs> or like me, he, he turned up and it was actually colder than he thought. And so he was like, shit, someone get me a jacket from the club shop. 